Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Before we get started, we would like to invite you to leave a review for this podcast in iTunes. It's a brand new show and it's really important in the launch of a new podcast to gather reviews. Will you please help us spread the word by leaving a review so that more mamas have a chance of finding this podcast when they search for one? We read every single review and we promise to keep doing that. We love what everyone, all of you ladies have been saying about the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast here with My Essential Birth. So thank you everyone for your continued support. This week's review comes from Mrs. D8912. She says, by far the best pregnancy podcast. I tried a few other pregnancy podcasts and they were all too crunchy or too smooth. I love that the mamas combine holistic practices and Western medicine practices. I have learned so much and eagerly wait for new episodes. We want to say, obviously, a big thank you for that. And we've got a new episode coming right at you right now. But you probably already knew that because you're listening to it right now. We are so grateful to all of you who are leaving us such amazing reviews on the podcast. And we have to tell you, the podcast is so fun, but it's really just a glimpse of our work. If you love our podcast, then you've got to know that our best work is within the My Essential Birth course, and we can't wait to welcome you inside that group. The equation of the day is marriage plus pregnancy and parenthood equals time to level up your communication skills. Disagreements in a relationship are often the result of miscommunication, whether that's failing to properly communicate your needs, your emotions, love and gratitude, or even expectations. This week, we're going to give you a plan to cultivate great communication within your relationship in preparation for birth. So how can poor communication show up in pregnancy or birth? Stephanie, you've got probably one of my favorite (laughs) examples. I love that she turns to me as soon as she says poor communication in birth. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie, tell us about um, yes, I have my favorite example too. So my second birth, we're having a hospital birth. So I've already had a cesarean birth. I'm aiming for my VBAC, my vaginal birth after cesarean. But for whatever reason, my body, it was likely a positional thing, but I didn't know at the time to even think about baby's position really. Um, and I, at the time I was having pushing contractions starting at about four centimeters. I was only four centimeters dilated, but I was like, had the urge to push. Yes. Every contraction, squatting down, leaned up against a wall, like uncontrollably pushing. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'm really close to transition, you know, like, except mentally I knew that wasn't the case. And when they checked me and what my contractions were doing, we're not following something that would have said, yeah, you're one of those women that's just about to open up and have a baby. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so it's getting really uncomfortable. I had a ton of prodromal labor, so I'd been in labor for close to three days at this point. And so my husband, my sweet husband, I'm on the edge of the bed and I'm like, Michael, I I think I am going to get the epidural. I think I need that right now. And he kind of leans in very lovingly and he's like, if you get the epidural, I'm going to be really disappointed in you. Oh my gosh. No. (laughs) Hey, now realize like we've been married for a few years I'm gonna be really disappointed in you what he told me after we can laugh at this now 
I, I in the moment I was like, I'm either gonna murder my husband, you know, like anyways, it was I wasn't having happy thoughts, but I, I was like, I'm gonna do what I want to do, so whatever. But in that moment, he was telling me, he's like, I just thought you wouldn't want to disappoint me. And so I thought if I said that, then you would be encouraged to so not. So he was trying to be encouraging. For what I wanted. Like he knew right. I wanted to go unmedicated. Right. And so, so he, he's like, this was my last ditch effort. Like I will, I'll keep you from, <laughs> I'll keep you from that epidural. Anyways, lack of communication, young married. Anyways. We, we also talk to a lot of women who often feel disappointed after their birth because they feel maybe like their partner wasn't as involved as they had hoped for, as they had envisioned. Oh, you mean like when they're on their phones looking at the football score? <laughs> or where they're trying to FaceTime family members while the wife's oh. having contractions? Guys, these are real doula real stories. Things. This happens. <laughs> we should do a podcast episode about doula <gasps> stories. Oh, we, oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> we would totally withhold names, but my word. Oh. Anyway, but I see this as an error on both parts. It's an error on mom's part because she failed to communicate that vision for how involved she hoped her birth partner to be hopefully to i mean maybe right because sometimes i feel like the communication from mom happens but it's not received oh so that's we true. can talk about that but. so maybe there was a failure for her to communicate that maybe not maybe it was a failure for him to ask or receive that and then take action within that role either way it boils down to a miscommunication like so many things do but it doesn't just stop at birth right um, if we look at the postpartum period, we are talking about sleep deprivation, postpartum hormones. There's a lot going on here. And I remember a time when Nate, my husband, and I had really bad communication um, because I had this brand new baby. He was super colicky. And his breastfeeding sessions would take about an hour. Um, we found out later that he had a tongue tie that needed to be oh. clipped, and that's why it was taking a long time, and he would never get a whole lot of milk. So he was miserable. But then his breastfeeding session would last an hour, and he would be up about 45 minutes to an hour later. Oh my gosh. And I was so miserable. But misery loves company, and <laughs> I made my husband. You guys, I sound horrible right now. I'm a good person. I made my husband get up out of bed with me for each and every breastfeeding session because I just didn't want to be alone in my misery. I wanted somebody there to tell me that what I was doing was hard. And um, my husband finally like broke down <laughs> after a few weeks. He's like, "I this is not working. I have to go to work. I'm not getting enough sleep, right? So obviously we both failed at communicating our needs to each other. I obviously needed more appreciation and validation from him that what I was doing was hard and woe is you, right? Um, he obviously needed more sleep in order to function well at work, but wasn't really communicating that to me until he sort of snapped. Um, we both could have communicated and brainstormed ideas together that would help me not feel so alone in my role or sad at night. So there's all kinds of examples, and I'm sure you maybe even have some of your own of when communication has gone wrong <laughs> um, at times in your relationship. And learning great communication is a chore in and of itself. But then you throw pregnancy, postpartum hormones, sleep deprivation, life and parenting challenges into the mix. And it could be a recipe for lots of arguments or hurt feelings, unless you've got a plan. And that's what we hope to give you today, a plan. So we're gonna give you our best tips for creating rewarding communication and be listening for communication exercise ideas that you can actually practice with your partner. So probably the most important step 
to building awesome communication is to actually understand each other. But how do you do that? Hmm. <laughs> there are great resources and tools already available to help you with that. Um, Stephanie, you mentioned when we were talking about this, the Love Languages yeah. book that, by I Dr. Mean, that, Gary Chapman. Yes, it's, and we'll, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but I feel like even that simple test, and we were probably like four or five years into our marriage before Same. it was like a book club book. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is so cool. And I made Michael take the test. And it was funny because he was actually deployed at the time. He was military. And I we guessed each other's love languages before and to see if we were right. And we had actually guessed both of our first love languages, which was interesting because it's like we intuitively knew, but we didn't. We didn't know we were supposed to act on those things. And, right. But like when you stop to think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, that is how like what's important to them, but why am I not playing on those things? You know. So just in case you're not familiar with love languages, it's basically the idea that there's a primary way that someone shows love and they also like to receive love. And those are broken down into things like physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, um, acts of service, and quality time. And so like for me, I'm words of affirmation. And my husband, though, is physical touch. And so he would constantly do things for me like give me a shoulder rub, brush my hair. And that was sweet and all, but I needed him to be telling me how much he loved me. So basically the most, the way that you generally, like whatever your love language is, is typically how you give love. Um, it's not necessarily how your partner receives love. So that's why it's important is to understand those those two things. Like you have a way that you like to receive love, so do they. And then to understand each other's and to act upon those things is where that kind of comes into play. Yep. We've also got Enneagram. And you guys know we've done all kinds of podcast episodes about this topic. I feel like Enneagram is a great way to understand somebody's heart and feelings and their mind and how they kind of move through life that way. Yeah. Uh, and any of these... I mean, you're kind of just trying to paint a bigger picture for yourself. You're giving yourself more tools to be able to communicate and to love on your partner to try and understand them. So none of these are like foolproof or you read it and you're like, this is exactly what I have to do. They're just extra tools. It's just extra information that's going to help you have that communication. Right. Help you evaluate your right. partner and, and how you're going to work together best. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you are, or what your love language is, we all have a core longing to feel heard, to feel understood, and to feel appreciated for what we do. So the first communication exercise we have for you is to just spend some time brainstorming ideas on how you can show love to one another that aligns with the way that that person likes to be shown love. Keep in mind that neither person should be the one doing all the giving or the receiving. And even when you're pregnant, remember that your spouse or your partner, they're the number one. I feel like it's very common. Um, I'm totally guilty of it. Like when I'm pregnant, especially my first time, I was like, this is all about me. Like I am mm -hmm. growing a baby. <laughs> okay. That's all I need to yes. do. Uh, anything that I'm craving, go get it. Like, you need to wait on me. It's just very much all like a me rubs, mentality. Yes, rubs. like, hello, I am carrying our child. Like, do the things, right? Well, I think that's kind of <laughs> what media has led us to believe that pregnant women should be pampered 100% of the time. Right. And again, that's, a, that's an expectation that you've created that is a false expectation, <laughs> right? I mean, you should get extra pampering, right? Yeah. No, like I, if I get pregnant again, I'm getting massages. It's from my husband. Like it's going to happen. <laughs> um, and I feel like he can, you know, he, he, he feels like he knows that now. <laughs> 
like he knows that that's a thing. Um, but I do think, yeah, just that like random expectation of like all things. The other, you know what? The other thing I think is important too is I think a lot of the attention is on us as women, but to realize the second that I got pregnant, all the thoughts that were not being said from my husband of like, now I've got a family to take care of. Now I can't mm -hmm. lose a job. Now, you know, yes, that pressure. Um, and I think that we're maybe we're not sensitive enough to that, especially in a new relationship, because I know for myself, I was like, yeah, I did expect that. It wasn't well, even a question. I feel like a lot of times we pick and choose when we want it to be an us thing, you know, us and our right. spouse or partner. And when it's like, well, I'm doing all this and it's all yeah. on me and it's all about me. You can't pick and choose. Like yeah. either you're in it together, in which case you need to acknowledge that both of you are having thoughts and feelings and needs about welcoming a new baby or you can't decide it's only about me right now. Oh, but now it's an us thing. Yes, <laughs> which I'm totally guilty of. So it's a two-way street, right? You both have to be giving love. You both have to be able to receive love. Um, yet at the same time, we want to caution you not to make a measuring stick out of your relationship. That is a surefire way to feel unhappy. So... I am totally guilty of being one of those women who would make a mental list of, well, I did the dishes, took out the garbage, made mm. the dinner, and he's only done one thing today, and so it's his turn to do it. Like, that, you're going to make yourself miserable. Yeah, um, so good for you for only having a mental list because mine was on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> we had had a couple of run-ins, and I was like, I never remember all the things that I have, you know, during the day while I'm doing dishes and laundry and conjuring up in my head because I have nothing better to do all the things that you should be doing. So I'm going to start making a list. And I remember I'd heard a talk. So more than just a honeydew list. No, it was no, it was like, a, these are all the things that I do that you're not doing or you should be doing. Anyways, right. so I make this list. Luckily, I had listened to a talk that was very specific about like literally talked about making those lists and, and like shared a story of a woman who did it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, delete the list. like <laughs> Go away list. But I like it's true. Like I marriage is very give and take. And I think it's really common, especially for women. Like I, I had a job, like a full time job, and I paid for my own stuff and I had my own apartment and my own car before I got married. But when we get married and now we're pregnant and I'm going to be having this baby, we had both agreed that I would be staying home and I was looking forward to that. But I didn't realize everything I think that came with it. And so I, w I was pissed a lot of the time. Like, mm. I did not sign up for this. Like, I don't want to just be at home doing dishes and cleaning the house and, and hanging out with the baby and not having interactions with other people. That's not for me. So anyways, I, I do think there's some like, especially early in marriage, like, yeah. you know, and just culturally, like the guy goes to work and does this and the mom keeps the house clean. And that's, it's just, that's not true. You know, no. some of that's true. Like a lot, like my husband still is the primary breadwinner for our family, but he comes home and there are responsibilities with children and life and really running a family and having good relationship. Um, but we have to be gentle with ourselves, like both to our spouses, our partners and with ourselves, especially early on, because you're just trying to figure it out. Like there's really no manual for doing this except for living through it, which is my poor kids. That's why I look at my oldest and, and my youngest and I'm like, well, sorry, you know, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> well, so we have two more communication exercise ideas for you. The first is consider making a gratitude list. Or I even like to include, Stephanie and I were saying, you know, sometimes when I'm feeling frustrated with my husband or just life swaying kind of heavy and we're tired of adulting, <laughs> I like to just take a few minutes to like think back to those first few months when we were falling in love and mm. just really think about what swept me off my feet about this guy. And I think when you start to linger on those thoughts and the things you're grateful for for your partner, that's going to set the tone for 
more loving and rewarding communication. So in light of Stephanie's story that she just shared about maybe disappointed expectations about what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom, or maybe it's the opposite, like what it's like to be a working mom, sit down together and come up with agreements. I hate calling them expectations because that seems to imply that you're expecting something that your partner didn't agree to. Mm. And so if you can sit down together, and the beautiful part about this is you can throw cultural norms, societal norms out the window and create your own version of what's going to be best for the two of you and your little family. So sit down together and talk about what are the things that you agree to. Maybe it is a division of responsibilities or I'm going to primarily be in charge of this, but make sure that you're both agreeing to it and then you won't have unmet or disappointed expectations. Let's say you do all that. You have a gratitude list you come to agreements with one another and there's still something that's really bugging you. It's pushing your buttons and you have just had enough. Um, let's talk about the sandwich method. That is the solution. <laughs> well, and it doesn't even have to be for things that you've like waited a long time, you know, like this pent up kind of aggression. It's almost um, better if you don't write it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and they talk about this with kids too, like, you know, four compliments to one request or, um, you know, something that needs correction. So, and, and we're talking about it in a sandwich. So if you think of like two compliments to one request to two more compliments. So you're sandwiching yes. that request or that need. We call it a request um, because that's really a nicer way of saying maybe it's something that's bothering you. Maybe it's an unmet need. But rather than just lay into them about that one thing, um, sandwich it between two compliments. Yeah. So here's what that might look like. So my husband comes home from work and the first thing I do is give him a big kiss and I'm like, oh, I love you. You look so hot today. Um, let's go hang out in the bedroom. Just kidding. Um, and then maybe another compliment. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that would get me a couple requests, right? <laughs> Sandwich oh that. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, and then maybe another compliment, like, hey, I noticed, like, the kids, like, were all cleaned up and put to bed last night when I came home. You know, I really appreciate that. Um, oh, and after you're done, like, settling down and whatever, would you mind taking the trash out for me? And then, you know, after that request is met or however, then, or even before, like, I can just give a couple more compliments. So you just put it in there. There are some things that need to happen. But I find, too, especially when, you know, partners come home and they've had a long day and we don't know what their day looks like, whether that's been stressful or not, especially hitting them with, like, oh, my gosh, like, you're home. I need a break. Like, they probably do, too. So yeah. just, again, being kind with each other. Um, something kind of closer to what our situation looks like because I'm a feelings person. I have to talk through all of them. So I might say something like, you know, I just want to thank you. You have been so attentive to me while I've been super sick with this pregnancy. Thank you. Thank you for picking up the slack when I couldn't do it. I also just want to thank you for letting me go buy all those fun things on Etsy for little baby girl on her <laughs> way. Um, I just have to tell you. And then he's like, by the way, I didn't know about that. <laughs> Just maybe kidding. that's the maybe that's the negative thing that you're maybe saying. Maybe that's the request. Hey, I oh my gosh, you got two hundred dollars yeah, on Etsy Make the on request a compliment. Oh, oh, nailed it! Thanks for letting me spend two hundred dollars at Copper Pearl. By the way, your butt looks great. Let's go hang out. <laughs> but anyway, my request might be something like, "Hey, something you said the other day—it's just been kind of eating away at me. Can we talk about it for a minute? Mm. And then we'll talk about it." And then, again, follow up with two compliments once the thing's over. I think the idea is if you love this person, and of course you do, right? You've made a baby together. You're welcoming a baby <laughs> together. Um, 
and you have things that are maybe frustrating or bothering you, find a nice way to deliver it. Find a nice way to say it. Find a way that's going to um, not put them on the defensive, but rather allow them to open up so that you guys can work through it in a rewarding, positive way. Yeah, I feel like sometimes the easiest way to say that is, hey, I've got something I want to bring up and I don't, I, I'm afraid it might upset you. So I, I want to talk about this, but just, oh, see, you know, that what would I mean? give my husband such anxiety. Oh, would it? Yeah. So sometimes I'll okay. be like, hey, there's something we need to talk about, but we can do it later. Oh, well, that gives me, you anxiety. I know. And like, he's later. like, and then yeah. the whole time he's like stewing, like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Yeah. You know? No. Okay. So. Yeah. No, but that's where it comes down to know your partner. Totally. How would they want to be pulled up? Yeah. All right. So along these same lines, kind of flowing in, it's a great idea to create a check in time with each other. Yeah, we used to be really good about this, like, for a long while because we had done some counseling and stuff, and this is totally, like, something they tell you to do, like, check in every Sunday, you know, when you've got some downtime and whatever, and we've gotten away from it for quite a bit, so we actually just did this again this last Sunday, and it was so nice because we just hadn't, like, yeah, you live your life and you love your partner and you try to do these things, but sometimes you just need to hear, like, how are you feeling about our relationship? How, how are you feeling about how I'm treating you or the time I'm with our family or away from our family? Um... And then I can hear from him as well. And quite honestly, it was like, yeah, you know what? Um, I feel like you have been kind of cold to me. Like I, when I come home from work for the day or whatever, I, you know, it's it's pretty like what is going on with your day and not a lot about us. And anyway, so we have this wonderful conversation and it really like ended the night on a happy note. And I feel like it set our whole week up for success. So I think a check-in time is gold. And it can even be just a few minutes a day. Tell me about your day. What was the high point today? What was the low point? What's one thing that you hope for for tomorrow? What does your day look like tomorrow? What's a need that you have? What's something I can do for you right now that's going to support you? Who wouldn't want to hear that? <laughs> right? Like, what yeah. can I do for you right now that and would make you feel loved? Or, it literally yeah. takes five minutes. And it's not wrong to set a timer in your phone for these things. Um, you might think, well, that seems really cold and impersonal time to check in. But it's not. It's a reminder to like be together work through it and but then it doesn't have to drag on forever mm -hmm. too we actually we totally did that We're like let's 20 minutes like let's have a conversation because i can talk about everything oh, yes. for a nice long time mm -hmm. anyway so i think that's a great idea um the fourth one that we have for you is study birth together so the reason you want to study birth together there's so many reasons first of all during birth even if you have great communication skills together, you know, during pregnancy and your relationship's doing awesome during birth, um, it's a totally different ballgame. And mom's communication might be non-existent. It might be really short or curt or concise. It could be really emotional. It could even occasionally be rude. But if you understand that that's, that could be the norm for a birthing woman, then you're less likely to take things personally. Yeah, that doesn't absolve you from being aware of um, kind of warning signs if there's like depression or anxiety or like an overabundance of anger that can also mean anxiety. Like if there's underlying issues, be aware of that. But it's a very hormonal time, especially like I feel like going into it, it was almost similar to PMS, except it lasted nine months. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. um, and then it, 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 when you're in it that long, you don't realize that you are. It's just your life. It's just how it is. And so it can just, it can be a trying time. Yeah. Um, another advantage to studying birth together in terms of how that affects your communication is as you do labor rehearsals together, you'll be able to pick up birth partner 
on um, the signs of her physical distress. So she might not be saying a whole lot about, you know, there might be not a lot of verbal communication going on, but man, that, that body language, that physical communication is always flying. So when Nate and I were first pregnant and we were practicing labor rehearsals, one of the things he observed um, through checking in with my body and making sure there's no tension is that I carry a lot of my tension in my jaw. I clench my jaw and I also furrow my brow. And so that was really helpful to him to be able to know that about me because then during birth, even if I wasn't saying anything, but maybe he could see that I was clenching my jaw, he would know that I need to step in and do something. And it's funny because even now when we're done having kids, he can pick up on those signs in me. I'm furrowing my brow and he'll just ask, are you okay? Is everything okay? And you said that you guys did that during relaxation practice. Yeah, like during through, the labor rehearsal relaxation. Yeah. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, during relaxation practice, we would do that faithfully every single night. That's where we both really learned each other's physical cues. And so what does that look like when you transfer that over to birth? So say that you're noticing some of these things, a, a clenched jaw or an exasperated sigh, these different cues that she's uncomfortable or something's not right, or you know from practicing that this is a way that, that tension comes about for her, that that's how you can physically notice those things. If that's the case, you've got to go through kind of your list, you, your tools that hopefully you've gained, you know, is she the kind of mom that needs to talk about what's what's weighing on her? Does she just need you to touch her? Is it some kind of verbal cue that she's looking for? Um, hopefully you've practiced those things prior to the birth time. And so you've got some, some tools to work from. And then mom, your job is to practice kind of, or learn to practice how to express your needs in a clear, kind, and concise way. So show him how you like things when you guys are practicing relaxation. That way when it's birth time, you know, he'll know when you're saying or doing certain things, this is what you like and don't like. And keep in mind when birth gets going too, and she's not in a place where she can verbalize when maybe she normally would, you guys have to have some kind of um, some touch or, you know, hand cues or you guys should have that communication down. So if she's like batting away at you, you're like, oh, like stop doing that. Right. That's common sense. But you have to have some cues that tell you um, this is what I need or this is what I don't need right now. And the cool part about you improving your communication skills, verbal, physical is that this is gonna carry over mamas into all of your relationships. It's gonna carry over into your relationships with your family, your mother-in-law, your uh, provider, your birth team. You're gonna feel more confident about advocating for yourself and your baby and your family because you will have mastered communication. And we, we chatted about this just briefly before jumping on here too, but um, I think there's a massive importance with your partner being really, like if you're practicing these birth things together, you should also be communicating what you want for your birth. You, he should know your birth plan. Your partner should know exactly what you're looking for when it comes to birth. And so we're kind of joking like that way, when you go to the doctor's visit and the like you say to the provider, I actually think I don't want an IV that your partner doesn't look at you and go, wait, what? what? Why you know? would you do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wait a second. You don't You don't want to like throw up any alarms. If anything, it should be like the provider asks you, oh, well, why? Or that's kind of well, that's standard practice or whatever. We want the partner to be able to jump in and advocate for you. Like, no, we're a team. We're in this together. It's not just her deciding this. Like, this is what we think is best. Right. And But that will not be able to happen if you two haven't studied birth together and you haven't communicated um, your desires and preferences to one another. Yeah. So we wanted to give you one final communication exercise that you can do. These are some leading questions. We're going to give you a handful. And you can just take, you know, one per week, one per night, however you want to do it, and just really kind of dive in for a few minutes with each other and 
and practice great communication. Yeah, because sometimes if you don't know how to communicate, then it's not helpful for us to say, now go talk to each other, right? Like if you're already not comfortable doing that. So these are, yes, these are questions. These are ideas of things you can talk about and it's just getting the two of you in the habit, maybe even just having a regular talking time or learning to express feelings and needs in a way. Some partners need a little more help with that Mm -hmm. than others, right? Mm -hmm. The way you can best support me emotionally during labor is by The things that I think I'm going to need most for this birth are... I wish we could talk more openly with one another about... I'm pretty sure our doctor doesn't like or agree with us about... I'm afraid that during birth, I might... The thing I am most excited about during pregnancy and birth is... And you both should answer these questions. This isn't one-sided. And there are more questions I'm sure that you guys will come up with on your own. These are a starting point, so keep that in mind too. Before we close, we wanted to give a word out to single mamas or mamas who feel like they just really don't have a partner that's willing to do this kind of communication. Keep in mind, if you don't have the support that you need, create it. Get a friend, a family member, a birth doula, a postpartum doula. Find your tribe. And truly, head back to our podcast all about how to create your ideal birth team, like your all-star birth team, because that will make all the difference. If you know how to get that birth team of people around you to support you, then um, not only will it make you feel better and make sure that you have the support, but I feel like a lot of times it ends up affecting the partner in a really positive way. We also felt the need to speak to women who might find themselves in an abusive situation. We recognize that you might feel as though you're under constant surveillance. And so Stephanie came up with a really great idea on how you can ask for help. Um, Oftentimes, women that are in abusive situations feel very very silenced, even when they have opportunities to get help. And so if you find yourself in that situation and you have somebody who is kind of like you're controlling, right, and maybe goes with you to all of your appointments or things like that, you can either have a handwritten note that you hand to a receptionist or to your doctor, or honestly, when you go to do your urine sample, you can throw a little note in the box where you like put your urine sample in, um, you know, a little help me. This is what's going on. Um, You know, please take me out of the room privately, however, so that you can reach out and get that help. It's really important that you're not allowing the abuse to continue. You need to find somebody. You need to be able to reach out and get the help that you deserve because, because you deserve it. Each of you are worthy of love and respect and support. And if you're not getting that currently, please make that a priority for not only you, but for your baby too. Yeah, and when you reach out to these professionals, um, this is part of their training. This is part of their job. So keep in mind that it's not going to be shrugged off. Um, these people are actually there to help you, even in these situations as well, not just for birth. We want to leave you guys with some hope. The childbearing years often find you maybe in the early years of a relationship or in a marriage. We want you to know it just keeps getting better. If you are both committed to practicing great communication and loving and supporting one another, it gets better. And honestly, the pregnancy and birth time is one of the most beautiful times um, that many people are able to look back on and say, that's when we grew the most. That's when we got the closest. So it's such a blessing, um, especially for a relationship. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.